Hello, I'm Adam Sadler. And I'm Brady Sadler, and you're listening to Board Shitless. Hey there, chitheads, and welcome back to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky, and this week I'm joined by... Tristan. And two very special guests, friends of the podcast, really. I think they've been on about 10% of our episodes. <laughs> um, it is Adam and Brady Sadler, uh, the game design gurus that they are. How are you doing, guys? Doing well. This is uh, Brady. Good to be here. Thanks for having us back again. Yeah, this is Adam. I'm doing well. I'm doing good as well. Excellent. Everyone's doing good. Tristan, are you also in good spirits? I'm in very good spirits. I'm very giddy and excited to have the Saddlers back on. Been looking forward to this. Excellent. I'm just going to say that I'm terrible just to uh, throw a bit of juxtaposition Aww. into the mix. Yeah. Right. Um, because, you know, contrast contrast brings a bit of variety to life. So Contrast. Um, oh, do you know what? When you said contrast then, I thought you were going to make a, a remark about the latest episode of Game of Thrones and, and do a oh, contrast oh, brightness. Oh, we're gonna, that's it. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's switched off now. No, yeah, everyone's you're just, the TV is just, is just set wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but yeah, Adam, Adam and um, Brady have been on quite a few times before. You can catch them on episode nine if you want to hear about their backstory the origins of the Saddler Brothers. Um, they've also been on our Gen Con special on episode 45. I believe they were also on episode 53, where we learned a bit more about... Excellent. Uh, links, links below. Links in the description, and also probably um, some updated episode numbers where I say... Whether, whether <laughs> Get the correct, the correct episode. Ones. <laughs> yeah, so, so off we go. We can talk about the arc of the Saddlers, because we did discuss the origins of you guys when you were on originally, but now... We've had, I th- correct me if I'm wrong on this, the latest development is that you both b- become full-time game designers now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. we, uh, we quit our corporate jobs, which was uh, both really exciting and really scary, but but now we're full-time with Blacklist Games uh, on salary as their senior game designers. So it's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty yeah. exciting to just focus on games. Congratulations. We haven't done, yeah. that. We haven't done that since, uh, well, I think it was... 2012 for me when I when I left FFG back when I was full time, but that was for a a big publisher. So this is a lot different where we kind of with a smaller publisher and we have a lot more say in what projects we take on and what we do. Big fish in a little pond kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> we also get to take on. Uh, we've also taken on projects outside of Blacklist because we're not bound by any like uh, non competes or NDA. So yeah. while we have to keep up with our Blacklist. Uh, work schedule we can also work with other publishers which is great for us so oh cool so you could still do like uh designs for ffg and and the other guys yeah 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 so, so actually, you had yeah, better lawyers have... really at the end of the day you you negotiated harder <laughs> and they didn't tie you down <laughs> i think it's brilliant news for both of you and uh, i'll echo lecky's congratulations because you know doing this full-time is completely different uh scale from just doing it as a hobby in your spare time almost and but like even then you guys were hugely prolific with the amount of games you were putting out anyway so now you get to step that up even further is it where are you guys based is it in indianapolis yeah we're at north of indianapolis we're in a noblesville we live pretty close to each other but it's it's like right outside of indianapolis it's kind of part of indianapolis but uh it's a kind of a small suburb area of it nice cool. gen con is gen con adjacent then yeah very nice. close yeah very literally close down the road isn't it Yep. So how has it gone with Blacklist? How did that come about? Did they approach you? Did they sort of, um, were they fans of your stuff and just sort of said, we need you on full time? What, what was that story? How did that transition happen? It kind of came from after they approached us about Street Masters. Um, it was kind of like a, a little gamble for us to, to do a, a game with a new publisher, um, a very small publisher as their first game. 
Um, so we kind of took a shot in the dark saying, yeah, we'll try this out. We knew the guy uh, we worked with previously and uh, said, you know, we thought it was a good working experience. So we thought we'd try it out and it went well. And then we decided to do a follow up with Brook City. And it was always the plan that they wanted to hire us full time. Like after we did Street Masters, they, they liked working with us. Then, you know, everything, it was a good working relationship. And they wanted to do more games, um, kind of up the number of games they do every year, mm-hmm. which we told them, you know, that's great and all, but we have full time jobs. Um, we also freelance, so it's you know we can only do so much. Um, so they've been wanting to hire us full time for a while, and uh, since AfterShock did so well, um, it kind of opened the door to some investors being interested and um, gave them some capital to hire us on full time. So fantastic! It sounds like you've been able to grow organically with the uh, with the company there, and you know everyone's sort of pushing the boundary further together. Um, after, after Street Masters, you had uh, Brook City as well, didn't you? How's the reception been for that for that game? Yeah, that one's uh, actually going to backers right now. It's uh, still, it's most. I think most of the U.S. backers have it, but the international is in the process. It should be like in, the, in a number of days here. People start getting it internationally, but so far everything we've heard, we've heard great feedback. Um, seems like people are excited to get it. They're having fun playing it. Um, and I mean, we since we've gotten our final copy, we've been playing it a lot more too. And we're looking forward to expanding it more in the future and supporting that line as long as it has that fan yeah. base. But yeah, overall, I think it's it's going over pretty well. For anyone who's just tuned in and the very unlikely event that they haven't heard of it, can you just give us the quick overview pitch of what Brook City is and what inspired you to, to make it? So Brook City was inspired by um, our love of, you know, 80s and 90s action cop, buddy cop movies um, and games like Grand Theft Auto uh, video games. Um, we always thought it'd be really cool to play like a Grand Theft Auto game where you're you're the cops instead of the criminals. Um, that just something we thought would be interesting. So that's kind of where the concept from Brook City came came up. Um, it is a, a cooperative board game for one to four players where you take on the role of these heroic cops in this the city, Brook City. It's uh, has a big crime wave from uh, due to the syndicates activity in the city, and there's all these different suspects popping up. And so in the game, everybody plays a cop that has a cop deck. Um, you pick a criminal deck to go, uh, go up against, and then you pick a case deck to solve. And the case deck is kind of like your objective. And the criminal deck is out there just trying to uh, cause trouble in the city. You have to keep keep it under control. If the criminal gets too much influence, you lose. If a cop gets fired, you lose. But if you solve the case, you win. Yeah, it sounds ace. Yeah, it and sounds it's, right it's, based, <laughs> it's based on all the movies I grew up watching as well. Um, quick, quick question, nerd question there on the mention of syndicates. So the syndicate are bad guys in Street Masters as well. And is there a connection there? Like, Is there a universe connection? You know, like how Tarantino has like characters related to each other between movies. Did, have, have you got like a connected world between your board games there? Yeah, for those two specifically, um, Brook City and uh, Street Masters are a shared universe. Um, there's a lot of crossover characters. Um, the actual the syndicate hasn't appeared yet in uh, in in uh, Street Masters, but there's hints of it, and uh, the kingdom is connected to the syndicate. So there's like a lot more hints in Brook City about that. But for example, um, in Street Masters, there's a expansion called Twin Tiger, which is the one that has Axel and Reese, yes, the double yeah. dragon inspired fighters, which are based off me and Adam, obviously. I'm, I'm a big Those, fan of Reese's were, Pieces. Yeah, it's my favorite they're, card. Their <laughs> their uh, backstory was actually the impetus for us to, to work on Brick City because um, their backstory is heavily inspired by Tango and Cash. They were like cops, got <laughs> framed, had to break out of jail and clean their names up. So we we decided to explore that, 
And so we wanted to go back and make Brook City. So Axel and Reese appear in the Delta Keys Brook City expansion. And it's kind of like their backstory about what happened to them before they went to Street Masters and became Kung Fu heroes. So. Nice. <laughs> Just like in real life. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It follows our true life. It's autobiographical. <laughs> we've, seen, we've seen you in the gym, the shop, and in those daggers. Yeah, they kind of, they kind of downplayed our, our uh, physique. We have, our muscles are way bigger in real life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's only so yeah, much. You don't want to see us at any conventions. We'll put the artwork in shame so. <laughs> they didn't want to give uh, fat gamers like me a complex that's well, what it yeah. was there's, there's only so much surface area on a playing card you know you have, to, you have to scale it down a little bit it's funny in the in the aftershock kickstarter they did new versions of the axel reese miniatures and they're probably like uh 75 70 700 bigger than the old miniature <laughs> yeah their their biceps and shoulders are just like these huge bowling balls it's like you got to you got to be a little more. A little more we, we had we had no say in that either. We just saw it like, okay, that's, that's sure, amazing. We'll keep sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was that, guys? We can't afford to get new ones sculpted. Oh well, I guess we'll have to go. Oh, with yeah, these. We'll, have to we'll go with the He-Man, <laughs> the He-Man sculpts instead. We well, can't change it now. <laughs> I should point out as well. Like an interesting visual here is that every time Adam and Brady speak on Skype, it cuts to their little profile pictures, which are their yeah, like hunky dudes from <laughs> Street Masters. So. Um, um, there's a new project on its way. Um, you've had your hands tied up with the development of AlterQuest. I was going to say, actually, um, have you managed to get anything t- new to the table between um, Street Pass's Aftershock going out and the development of AlterQuest starting? Were you able to play anything that was one of your games, or have you just been fully in playtesting mode? So, yeah, we've actually been... Um, we have a couple other projects that haven't been announced yet that, that took place between finishing up Aftershock and uh, working on AlterQuest. Since we came on full-time, we've been taking on some other projects as well. So two of them we can't talk about yet. They'll be announced pretty soon, hopefully. One's with Blacklist, one's with a different publisher we haven't worked with before. So that one's really exciting. Um, other than that, yeah, we've just been uh, working on AlterQuest quite a bit um, in our free time. Just kind of doing some research, playing some new adventure games uh, to kind of just, you know, stay in that mindset. Yeah. Which is uh, that most recent one I've been playing is the uh, Journeys of Middle-Earth, that Lord of the Rings one. Uh, that's that's a pretty good pretty good game. Even though I hate all the aspects of the game, I still love the game because <laughs> I don't I don't like small cards. I don't like flipping cards over to do tests. I don't like app integrated stuff. But for some reason, they did it all correct, and now I love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> is it a case of but the theme is like all these mechanics are horrible? But... Yeah, it could be snap, but it's Lord of the Rings, so therefore <laughs> yeah, it's right. amazing snap. <laughs> we actually played um, Journey's Middle Earth. Was it last week or the week before? I, I didn't play. I missed it. Oh, uh, yeah, disgusting I behavior. Lucky. I, I had to ring it in, but you and um, you and the other guys were straight on it. Yeah, and uh, I'd share your thoughts about uh, app-based thing. It sounds really like dinosaur sort of thing to say, like apps and games. No, um, but I always have this. Mansions of Madness, dude. It's yeah. amazing. I've also got a scrappy little iPad, which, you know, decides to conk out and stuff. So I don't trust that you could get through six adventures of a campaign and it still be hanging in, you know, and serving <laughs> its purpose without, like, completely destroying it. We also, we, as much as we love Mansions of Madness, second edition, which actually, it kind of, it sold me on the app-based idea. I just... It was our, our friend Dave who has the game. So, you know, I didn't have to personally invest in it to, to reap the benefits of being able to play it. But we got right through an entire adventure and completely screwed up the ending and had to then, <laughs> we had to then like reboot oh, the adventure, fast forward, try and remember oh, all the yeah. decisions we'd yeah. made to get back to just for the finale. And it was the most frustrating thing. And when Dave got right through to the, you know, and, and 
after fast forwarding all the way through the app to get us to yeah. that finale, he cocked it up again. <laughs> and then we had to, for the third time, go through. So, um, but the, the thing is with Mansions of Madness, they're individual adventures, whereas Journeys right. in Middle Earth, you're going to. Oh, they all key off each other. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was playing the. I did a solo playthrough because Adam and I have a game group. We play. We, we were like a few adventures in, but I played solo just to plow through the campaign to kind of experience it. Yeah. And I got to the very end, the very last boss fight. And I misclicked something and like I couldn't go back. Oh, and I was like, oh, I, I guess I'll finish this out, but it feels kind of cheap because I didn't do it right. And right. I ended up winning because I kind of cheated when I hit the wrong button. But I was like, well, I, I, got, I got the experience at least. But man, I hate. I hate apps. <laughs> I feel. Yeah. I, I feel. I will insane. say I, I enjoy the game, but I still is I enjoy it despite the app. Like I, the app is nice <laughs> because it, yeah. you don't have a ton of cards and stuff like that, and it handles a lot of the thing that AI for you. But it's still I just I would prefer it without an app. Yeah. Well, I think that's the problem too. It's like most of the time I, I want to sit down and play a game because I want to manage all that stuff. I want to use my hands and everything. I don't want this device to to track all yeah. for me. I, I just go play a video game, you know. So it's like yeah. there's a push and pull there. Even yeah. though I do love the game, I would I vastly wish they would take that system and just make it a, a standard game without the app integration. But I understand the yeah. appeal of it. So well, for me, I'm on the other side of the coin with that because I just don't want to be sat there with a player book and it's like right now someone's done this so you go to appendices b and decide how this monster <laughs> works find the minute right. put it on the map work out you know he's going to be six blocks in six blocks up he might be guarding a secret i'd rather just, yeah, just tell me like put this mini down did you kill the mini yes brilliant yeah, here's a yeah. key um, <laughs> but like you and know, it handles that really well like, it, I think does, it does it does um, that's the really cool part is tracking all the health and the different effects the enemies have exactly. so yeah that is definitely a huge appeal but then when that starts swapping out a I know an actual player's ability to make decisions, and I agree with you, then no, 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 no. Let's just play it again. <laughs> For a narrative adventure game as well, it is very much a move and attack game, isn't it? Oh, I don't see it as an adventure. Right. I see it as like a horror movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> like both the experience with the app and the uh, story. Yeah. And it's the same. It's very much the same with the Journeys in Middle Earth. It's kind of the same system and stuff. But you've got all these different tokens that uh, generate an adventure as you go, but it's very much sort of move and attack or move and move or yeah. attack and attack kind of thing it's sort of standard right. dungeon crawler thing but because it's wrapped up in such uh, lovely bling and, and like fantasy flight um you know component quality and everything you don't really mind and it's like it's yeah, actually yeah. it carries you along in this really cool journey but um I, I think the biggest downfall was we were playing it when we were working on alter quest and we do a lot of play testing yeah. you know, during the day and we'll play at night with our game group so when we're playing play testing alter quest we specifically design player turns to have a lot of these choices. So there's like a lot of actions you can do. Yeah, it's nice. not, too, it's not enough. Like it's not too many actions where you have to keep checking a book to see what they are, but you just have a lot of flexibility. And then you take that and you go to something like the journeys of middle earth, which I, I can definitely see that it's elegant for new players to just know, okay, well I can move an attack, but it's so limiting coming from a game where you have so many options to like, well, I can do these two things and I can't do both. I can do this one thing and I'll just skip my other action for this turn, I guess, you know, it's very, yeah. it's very it can be very frustrating. So that was kind of the, on the negative side, but I mean, on the plus side, it made us more confident in our design for Alter Quest. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, when you were designing Alter Quest, am I right in thinking it's sort of Street Masters was kind of like the foundation for it and it was going to be a, a fantasy version of that system sort of thing? I was going to ask a very similar that, question. I'll let the yeah, that was kind of like, yeah, that was kind of like the impetus of it because we kept we kept getting comments about that, and Adam can attest because Adam, Adam really pushed fantasy, and I even though I love fantasy probably as much as Adam does, I I'm, I was a little apprehensive because there's a lot of games we want to explore with this with the, this this these ideas this kind of system we can yeah. modify, um, but but people keep asking for fantasy, and and the Street Masters IP 
was a turnoff for a lot of people, which was strange to me because I thought it'd be exciting because it's not very overdone or anything. But Adam's like, I guarantee we do fantasy. It's going to be it's going to be bringing a lot more people in. So yeah. so that that was kind of the impetus of it. But it was also because Adam and I grew up playing HeroQuest. Um, that's what got us into gaming. That's what got us into like fantasy in general. So there's a, a, a big charm there we wanted to kind of harken back to. Um, and a lot of that came from the uh, one of the memories we had is like a, this dungeon board on a table. You know, it's always the same board, but it's set in different ways. You're exploring it in different ways and it's telling different stories. We wanted to kind of play with that idea because one of one of my biggest pet peeves personally with dungeon crawls is I do not like modular tiles. I don't want to set up a map. I don't want to explore a map during a game and, and try to hunt for the right tile to put down. Yeah. That doesn't do a lot for me. Um, right, so. I'd rather just set something up and play <laughs> and experience and make cool choices. Yeah. So that was kind of like overall the, the idea behind starting this project, which kind of just, you know, rolled out of control after we started it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's, it's a great point you make really. Cause like the downside of any sort of, um, like RPG or fantasy based game or sort of dungeon crawling experience where you do have a sort of a GME player that has to create these, um, scenarios is like you find yourself just you've been bogged down with homework. You've got to think of a really creative <laughs> way of making things right. lovely and exciting for everyone else. Then they grok it in 45 minutes and then they just look at you right. expectantly and it's like, what do we do now? And it's like, I don't know. It took me a week to get to this point. Um, so anything that you can do to like bring that, make it easier to create those narratives and to bring those stories along, it's um, it's it's just great. Um, what I was going to ask you was, um, you've got like games like Street Master in Brook City and now Alter Quest. They're all based on this um, sort of like um, deck system. Now, how do you avoid making each game a sort of cookie cutter version of the last with just a different theme? Um, do you have to like really sort of like look at the systems and then devise new mechanics around it, or do you just look at well, them, you know, and doing different things with the decks? Well, the uh, the modular deck system is kind of uh, more. It's more of a product model than it is like mechanics. Um, the mechanics do build off of that because everything is based off these decks. Yeah. But the whole concept is mo the modular deck system is there's these different decks that you can combine different ways and it uses typically uses miniatures and dice to resolve things. Um, but every version we do feels completely different. Like for example, um, Street Masters and Brook City, they they if you understand how to play Street Masters, you can learn how to play Brook City fairly quickly. Uh, but they they feel totally different when you're playing them. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of little reasons why. But we and it's the same with Alter Quest. Alter Quest feels completely different than both of those. That's um, hard to compare, um, other than the whole deck and dice and miniatures thing. But what we do is we take that concept. We just start with the idea of different decks, and then we we like the same dice. Like we we really like that kind of dice. So you'll see the dice in Street Masters, Brook City, and Alter Quest all have the same uh, distribution of symbols on the dice because we just. They always work for us. Yeah. If, it um, ain't, that, if it ain't broke, don't fix that's it. it. <laughs> the, the, the dice that they use, just for anybody you know listening, they, there's all, always something that happens. There's no misresults, yeah. right? So you're either defending or you're attacking or uh, you know exploding an ability or something. So we talked then about um, you what you, what games you've been playing, like Journeys of Middle Earth and stuff. In your downtime, how do you relax? Do you guys just play games all the time? Because I know you're like you're not just prolific game designers. You were in a band. Uh, Brady's written books. I believe, and so, like, what? Tell us about the uh, the downtime for the Sadler brothers. What do you guys get up to? Explain your perfect Sunday. So, is what you're <laughs> yeah. so most, if I'm not like, because I spend a lot of time, even when I'm not playing games, I'll either be tinkering with stuff, reading rule books of games I don't plan on playing, just to kind of 
you know, do some research. It's just, it's just kind of, uh, you know, a, a relaxing thing for me. But outside of all the game stuff, um, I, I still read a lot of, I read novels all the time. I read a lot of books. I reread books I've already read before. Just, um, that's just kind of how I unwind. Um, I think the, uh, the other major aspect of my life is I watch Maddie Matheson cooking videos nonstop. <laughs> so if I'm doing anything at all, I have that on the, in the background. It's not going to distract me from what I'm doing. So, um, aside from that, just exercising, I, I jog a lot. Um, I like to work out. I still play drums once in a while. I have a drum kit outside my office downstairs in the basement. So I still play that once in a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly that's just, I, I spend way too much time if I'm not playing games, researching games and stuff. So, so you, yeah, I you think guys the, were in a band I, together, weren't you? Lauren, Lauren yeah, Guard. Yeah. 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 I, we, we played, uh, we played in metal bands ever since I think our last couple years of high school, um, up until our late twenties, I think is when we stopped our, playing. Our last, I think our last show was when we were the 30, 30 or 31, I think. So, uh, so our third, but, but yeah, we, we, I, I, I personally played in a cover band live a few years ago, which was kind of fun, but it was just kind of a goof. So yeah, we don't actively play much I see. with bands, but we still play our instruments individually. So we you, still got it. We just don't play. You still got the house. <laughs> and so does yeah. that mean that there will be an Alter Quest concept album coming up? <laughs> yeah. We have to wait. It sounds like they're overdue a reunion. I think Definitely. that should be a stretch goal. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. If, if I'm, uh, if I'm not playing games, which you know, we do quite a bit, um, aside from the games we're working on, we like to play other people's games as well. Um, I like to paint miniatures. I'm a big mini- minis gamer. Um, so if I'm not painting miniatures or terrain or something, um, I'm just like playing video games with my fiance and you know, just just hanging out. But you know, what's, what's, uh, video games are a nice escape from board games. So they're still games. But <laughs> what, what video games are you playing, Adam, at the moment? Uh, we were playing Division Two for a bit, um, and we now we went back to Elder Scrolls Online, kind of just getting into fantasy mindset. Nice. Have you seen the, the? I think it's Bloodborne that's kicking at the moment, isn't it? Kickstarter in the. Uh, did you pl- did you guys play Bloodborne? Okay. Uh, no, I never, I never played that. that no. I played uh, Dark Souls, one of the Dark Souls, and because everyone everyone kept just praising it and kept telling me you got to play this. Yeah. And I just it wasn't really for me. Like I, I see the appeal. I just I think it's like either the setting because because the person I was talking to and when they were like, you got to play this, you know, I was really into Skyrim. Like, oh, you got to play Dark Souls. Yeah. And they got so much better in Skyrim. And I played, I was like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> not really for me. They're so different. I mean, I must yeah. put like 200 hours into Skyrim, I think. And um, and so Dark Souls and Bloodborne were a tough sell. Like, I think Bloodborne came with the PlayStation, you know, it was on like one of the like bundle deals. Yeah. And I played it for about five minutes and got killed about 600 times yeah. in five minutes. <laughs> and we was just like, this is the worst game ever. And uh, it stayed on the shelf for years. And then... Every, all of my friends were going on about playing it and how you got to try it and stuff. And I came back round to it and gave it a go and got absolutely suckered in. And so it, it took me probably about 15 hours of gameplay to get past the first level. Um, but when I did and cracked it, it was like the, the biggest feeling of joy ever, you know, to get through this level and then immediately be killed by a minion in the second level. But, but like you, once you've unlocked that sort of gateway with those games, you know, you, you start from the next level onwards. And so you're kind of achieving as you go. But when you when you're playing games like Skyrim or you know video games, um, do you do you take from that for inspiration for your for your board games? I know we talked before about like app integration and stuff, but are there ways that you want to sort of channel and recreate video game experiences in you know, board games? You know that's interesting because there's one of the projects we haven't announced yet is actually based off of a video game um, like IP. Mm-hmm. So the you know looking at the video game and trying to translate it, I have a much different. Uh, philosophy than a lot of uh, board game designers probably when they're when they're translating video game ideas to the tabletop 
is I don't want to simulate at all what you'd experience in the uh, video game because video games are so much more of a dexterous, um, te- you know, uh, hand-eye coordination um, experience as opposed to what board games excel at, I think, is the more thoughtful, um, interesting decision-making processes. So um, I don't want to translate, for example, like a, an action-packed video game uh, into a fast-playing uh, board game that's you know hectic or time-based or something or some real-time. So um, I do take a lot of uh, inspiration, but it's mostly from the theme um, and trying to do what trying to take that theme and do something interesting on the tabletop that harkens back to maybe what you'd experience when you're playing the game, but, uh, but really highlighting the, the, the sell the strong points that tabletop has over video games, because in my opinion, Oh, go ahead, Adam. I was gonna say, I think a good example is what what I mentioned earlier is Brook city was kind of influenced by Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, it's not that theme or anything like that, but it, 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 the whole concept of you know hopping in vehicles and driving around the city doing missions that kind of inspired Brook City. Yeah, and, and going spirit. off of that too, like one of my personal because I, I play a lot of video games on my Switch. Um, I play like old you know side scrollers and stuff like that, the, the indie games. Um, like for example, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon is like really Castlevania style yeah. um, platformer. It's awesome. My favorite game of all time is Blaster Master for NES, and they made a new version for Switch called Blaster Master Zero. And they made a sequel, Blaster Master Zero Two. Those two games, recently playing those, I I've had tons of ideas for board games. Adam and I are discussing kind of a, a theme similar to that, but it's not necessarily the gameplay. It's more just like the overall, you know, uh, kind of spirit that game carries so uh kind of like what adam says it's more just mostly theme i think we take away yeah. from video games it shows with um, street masters because it's never felt like i was playing a coin-op arcade game right it felt right. like i was in a coin-op arcade game you know it was like part of that story part of that structure yeah because but, it, like a video like a board beats. game based on um those kinds of video games you'd expect to just be like whack a card down do 20 yeah, yeah, damage yeah. kind of you know just cycle through enemies but actually what you guys have done with street masters is create a game that gives you loads of interesting decision points which you wouldn't expect from you know uh press a press b press c kind of thing like to get the combo so whereas with street masters well i mean it's been on the show we've we've discussed it before we all love it we're all big fans and uh one of the great things about it is the way that you've come up with the different systems with each character each deck behaves completely differently i'm still playing it and finding like i'll pick a new character and it plays completely differently from another character. And there's loads of like really yeah. um, brain burning decisions. Each character becomes your new favorite character. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. How uh, the combo works. I never hear like uh, many bad uh, bad feedback about Brook City or sorry about Street Masters. People seem to really like it, which is awesome. But one, I did hear one complaint where somebody said I forget it was I think it was a reviewer that said it didn't feel like uh, they were playing a fighting game. And I, I, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, that's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I remember reading that. Somebody said, it's because somebody asked, oh, is there any good beat-em-up games? I think it was on a Facebook group. And somebody said, oh, check out Street Masters. And some guy commented, and he liked the game a lot. Yeah. But he said, Street Masters feels nothing like a beat-em-up game. And I took offense to that. But then like, <laughs> yeah. I, was reading, I was reading the comments, and like he was describing a game that he actually really loved. 
and he loved the fact that it didn't feel like a beat him up. And I was like, well, like, I, I can see that. I mean, I, I guess we're not trying to make it feel like you're just mashing a button. Yeah, but I yeah. just—it's kind of like our love letter to beat him up. So if somebody says that feels like nothing like a beat him up, I kind of take a little bit of fist. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, well, yeah. actually, no, we didn't try to. <laughs> no. I think that one specifically was talking about like how you don't like walk through a map or whatever. I'm like, that's right. kind of because it's you know we want a quick playing game. We don't want to build maps while we yeah. play. Well, this <laughs> is what you're talking about with the uh, Alter Quest as well, right? So with with Street Masters, you've got a specific uh, room, you know, a warehouse or you know an outdoor temple or whatever, and you're on that for the whole session. But you mentioned before as well, it just cuts down significantly on the yeah. accounting and bookkeeping because <laughs> right. as if you just got the one location, you could just get up and, and get rolling. And um, yeah. I'm really interested actually to see the 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 map and in person for Alter Quest, you know, because obviously looking at the layout on the uh, teasers that you guys have put out, it kind of looks like an ode to Hero Quest. How how have oh, yeah. you segmented the different areas? Have you just used doors or they had blockages, didn't they, in, in Hero Quest to delineate the different room zones? How, how have you guys done it to sort of so unlike HeroQuest, um, with Alter Quest, you explore the dungeon as you go. There's no like preset scenario that has like a, a map that tells you which part of the board you use. Oh, so it's not pre-revealed um, or anything then? Correct. When you when you start a quest in the game, you you pick any room you want, unless a quest tells you other. A quest deck might specify a corner room or something, yeah. but any a normal quest, you just pick a room and you place the stair tile in that room on the feature space, and then you start. You start playing. So you can start in any room you want, and you can go through any door you want. Nice. And when you open a door, you reveal it, and you see what's in there, and you continue your quest. Yeah. Um, so it's all played out on the board, but you kind of control where you go. And did you, did you get rid of the Zagor player as well? Is fully cooperative for uh, Quest? Correct. No Zargon. Our, uh, I remember our mom was Zargon when we were kids, and Brady got really sad when she killed his elf. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember when we first spoke to you, there was a harrowing tale of uh, a grateful parent sending to bed with no tea and a firm spanking and an old squirt. And they were quest, we're, we're laughing at your pain. Oh, it was, uh, I, I was trapped in a cupboard as a child, so it's all fine. <laughs> it was weird, actually, because in, in HeroQuest in the UK, it was called Morkar. And so uh, the baddie was called Morkar, and they changed it to oh, yeah, Zagor. Right. And so it was all confusion. And the Legend of Zagor game came out, and it was like, well, is it connected? Isn't it connected? It's very complex. Um, but how, so how are you guys finding cooperative games? We had Heroes of Terranoth has landed recently. Street Masters is cooperative. Alter Quest is cooperative. Um, are you moving away from competitive games? I'm sure I heard one of you guys mention, or look, saw one of you mention on Facebook, you were doing a Euro. Are you bringing back the competition? <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've actually we actually just uh, handed off a project to a new publisher or not a new publisher, a publisher we haven't worked with before. They commissioned us to do a, um, a competitive game, um, so that one's handed off. So you'll see something from us uh, hopefully in the near future. That's that's non-co-op. But typically, when we're doing like kind of our pet projects, the the ones that, the big the big like love letter games we're doing like are usually going to be co-op solo co-op games because that's what we play typically. Yeah. Um, I think if we do competitive games, they're going to be usually lighter, probably either head to head or, um, kind well, of like, I, I will want to, I will want to do a big sports ball game someday. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. my, my tribute to like blood bowl or whatever. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did you play the, yeah. um, Steamforged did a blood bowl? Yeah. Oh, I played I field ball a little field bit. Ball. I have a, yeah, I have some teams for that. Um, I still prefer blood bowl just cause of the, I don't know, like I'm, it's an, old school feel but um guild ball is a really fun game too you know i I've, i was doing pretty well like not jumping in on those because adam was pretty big a fan but then i saw that guild ball has a cook faction that i have to get and now i just saw blood bowls having the halfling um uh, team they're doing so now it's like i want to play both of those i think <laughs> <laughs> 
Halflings being your favorite fantasy race, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. But I pretty much like I'll avoid a lot of fantasy games if they don't have halflings because like that's my <laughs> that's my kind of way I can restrict myself from jumping into too many fantasy games. But if they have like a halfling faction or halfling character, like ah, oh, I got to get that one. And <laughs> I, I, this ironically, comes from being such a buff, muscly guy, right? So you, <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah. have, have a complete fantasy of playing a different character. <laughs> and <laughs> ironically, there is a character in Alter Quest in the base game named Rowan who is a little halfling guy who cooks things. So uh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder who inspired that character. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how he got in there, but I'm surprised he didn't have Brady's face on that one. <laughs> Be an interesting juxtaposition between that and Speedmaster. Do you have a, a favorite fantasy race, Adam, that you like to play as? Me, I'm usually typically when I play like D and D and stuff. I'm I'm usually a human, but I also like uh, not elves in general, but I like high elves, like really fancy yeah. elves. I think they're too good for everybody else. Those are the kind of elves I like. Um, like so I will always lean towards like high elves if I have a choice, but typically humans, I play humans. Nice. And have you, with Alter Quest, I mean, I, I don't know how much of this would count as spoilers, but in terms of like races that you can play as, are you using the well-regarded fantasy races like elves and dwarves and halflings and things, or are you forging a like a more sort of Isaac Childress type path where, you know, with Gloomhaven, he came up with the, all these new and fancy, interesting Cragheart type races that hadn't been done before, but were very sort of different from from what other people had expected. Because, sorry to <laughs> to go down like my own bit, with Gloom of Killforth with my game. There we go. <laughs> it's, Grab a cushion. <laughs> well, it's, it was a big, it's, it's a big choice, isn't it? It's because yeah. there's so many established, like tropes, I guess, is kind of an insulting way of saying it. Uh, there's so many established, but cool races to choose from. And it's an interesting... Yeah, it is, to... it is nice to see uh, like ninja or vampire sneak in there rather than just have like <laughs> or a vampire ninja elf giant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the heroes in uh, Alter Quest in the base game is a vampire. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. So well, like, the the one thing about the um, the setting of Alter Quest takes place in is um, it's kind of what our ideal setting would be because because we are probably more traditionally into what people might call generic fantasy. Yeah. Because um, I like. Uh, I, I, I've have, I don't really need a lot of, uh, individuality, um, when it comes to fan. Cause like, I don't, I don't see making a race. that's either like a rock man or a fire dude yeah. that much different than just having like elves and dwarves. And cause I know those kind of tropes, which, um, I could see the negative connotation, but I, I, I don't think they're negative. I think it's fine because it's kind of an anchor to what people know and are familiar yeah. with. Yeah, um, and I personally like those. Like you know, Warhammer: The Old World was one of our first big fantasy IPs we got into. Um, yeah. So we definitely have a lot of that in uh, the setting for Alter Quest. But it's it's what we call a um, a fantasy uh, gothic horror meets fantasy. So it's kind of more along the lines of taking a lot of high fantasy, mixing with Castlevania. So there's a lot of you know vampires, werewolves. Um, and mostly all original monster races. We don't have orcs and goblins. We have these pigmen that look like kind of like orcs. And they, we have yeah. frogmen that kind of act like kobolds. So uh, we have those tropes, but kind of presented in different ways. Um, and then, of course, all the classic gothic horror tropes that are in there as well. And are these based on sort of your existing like fancy worlds in D&D that you guys play or write in already? Or is this all just brand new um, lore? This it's a kind of a combination because we've uh, when when we, I was writing the uh, Lorengard book, which is my first novel, the Eve of Corruption. Um, it's funny you mentioned having an Alter Quest concept album because uh, <laughs> moving on from uh, Lorengard, we had this idea for this kind of concept called Alterstone, yeah. which is funny because it appears in the lore for both Street Masters of Brook City because there's a character named Nikki Scott 
who's the lead singer of this band called Alter Stone. Right. And it's kind of a nod to this kind of project we had yeah, cool. in mind. So, so we've been planning for a long time doing like a book series and games and all these different things in this world, this Alter Stone world. And that became Aritica, which is the name of this region in the world. Um, and now it's the game we're doing now. Alter Quest is, is kind of encompassing all of that stuff. So, so it is something we've been working on. I've, I've used a lot of the elements for short stories and stuff and, and working on a novel outline for yeah. an actual book in this setting. Um, but it also is from playing D and D all those years. We've, we've always piecemealed stuff like that together and kind of just giving it a name now. <laughs> <laughs> all these little rabbit holes that you keep forging for yourself and your imagination all getting pulled together. And you're going to have to have like an encyclopedia project. of your world to refer <laughs> back to all of the, like the different events and people and creatures and yeah. yeah, yeah. Luckily for the, this uh, one, we're doing a we're doing a little proactive uh, project where we have a lore bible already set aside. So cool. as we're working on Alter Quest, I'm just keep keeping all the notes together in this nice. kind of organized document. So if we ever need to make a, like a hardcover compendium, we'll already have a, yeah. a big head start on it. <laughs> submit, submit to weigh down the coffee table. Uh, go, you know, yeah. <laughs> stretch goal fodder early. That's ace. No, it's fantastic that you're thinking about it because, like you're saying, you know, it can grow and grow and grow. I remember someone saying about um, when they were making the Harry Potter movies and they had like a question about some random background thing and they faxed J.K. Rowling and she came back about 10 minutes later with a big detailed list of this character's backstory and history oh, and everything. <laughs> so yeah, you'll have to sort of create like a, a whole world. And then and I was on um, a podcast with Isaac Childress and uh, the, the topic came up of how much world building was in Gloomhaven. And he was like, oh, there's a couple of pages of notes. <laughs> and I, I honestly <laughs> thought he'd be sitting on like, you know, 15 different like giant tomes of lore because yeah. of the amount of, you know, content that's in Gloomhaven kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it all sounds really exciting. And anything that you guys produce, we're always uh, excited to see because we're fans of the, the system for Street Masters. And uh, like Adam says, fantasy sells and it's it's going to be uh, exciting. I mean, if the Aftershock campaign was something like three times more successful than the original Street Masters. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, fingers crossed for you guys that AltQuest is going to smash that out of the park as well. When When's the launch date for AltQuest? So it's May- going to be one day before we before our birthday. So it's going to be May 28th. <laughs> nice. 28th. And it's one, one day after my birthday. Because yeah, so. no one really likes oh, to nice. enjoy their birthday, do they? We're going to be sat around stressing out about a Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, in a way, it's a gift because you'd be like, yay, we're launching a Kickstarter. And then once it's launched, like the stress levels are going to spike. Yeah, through yeah. You're going to be eating bowls of cake. <laughs> well, I, was, uh, I was on Facebook yesterday. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're Oh, go ahead, Adam. Sorry, <laughs> I was gonna say we're planning to do like a like a live stream um, around the time that it launches. Oh, wow! Yeah, so people can see our reaction uh, to hopefully seeing it fund very very quickly. We'll see. It's, it's funny. Yeah, we'll say... see how long that that live stream has to be to to actually <laughs> capture when it funds. Because <laughs> yeah. I know with, uh, with AfterShock it funded the same night we the night of after we launched it, so it was in the same day at least. But here's hoping this one will actually fund within you know during the live stream we're doing. So we'll see. Nice hoping. Yeah, I was um, scouting around Facebook yesterday today and i found the blacklist games uh, facebook group and i liked it and it had a little message on there about the um, launch for alter quest so definitely keep an eye out for that everyone should go yes, to facebook sure. search out blacklist games and um, give it a little like and just get some more news on the alter quest campaign if it sounds like it floats your boat yeah and uh, adam and brady very active on facebook as well in terms of you guys are all over responding to rules questions and stuff like that aren't you very engaged in the community yeah where's the best yeah, place yes Where's the best place oh, sorry. I was going to say so much so that you should probably comment on any of my posts saying, get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find time to design games? You're on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Where's, where's the best point for people to uh, keep up to date with what you're up to? I would say that Blacklist Facebook page is a great uh, source. Our marketing guy, Scotty, has been keeping it updated. Also, um, Blacklist website, um, blacklistgamesllc.com. Um, we're also they're also on Twitter, Blacklist Games LLC. But also, like you said, we're very easy to find on Facebook. We're you know usually commenting on things that are Blacklist related. Um, and I'm also you know I'm also on Twitter, uh, Adam B Sadler on Twitter. Yeah, mine's uh, uh, Brady J Sadler, um, and I'm also pretty active on most of the main Facebook groups. Um, if I'm not active on one that, that you think is active, just let me know what it is. I'll probably join up on that one as well because I like to try to stay connected <laughs> with what's going on. So. Awesome. Well, listen, guys, thanks so much for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure talking to you both. And we're dead excited for the Kickstarter and for the new games. And uh, a little disappointed we can't find out the names of all these secret projects you've got going on, but we can't wait to <laughs> discover them all. And uh, We'll be back when they're, when they're announced. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, we look forward to finding out what a Saddler Euro game is going to look and feel like as well. That sounds really intriguing. So um, Cool. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate it. No, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a pleasure to have you. Take care, guys. Take care.